you know, when kids are about four years old, they want they want to know the answer to one question: Why? Why is everything the way it is? Why is the sky blue? Why are dogs fluffy? And at first, you know, you're thinking, you know, when you've got a kid that age, you're thinking, wow, my kid's a genius. I mean, he's going to be a scientist. You know, this kid, he's going he's gonna to be a professor. He, he just has to know the answers to all of life's questions. And then after a while, it's like, man, this kid's really getting on my nerves. You know, I, I know, I know there's some of you here that a four-year-old has never gotten on your nerves, and the rest of us just want to tell you that you make us sick. You know, so you're, we're we're trying to achieve that standard, but but uh, you know, kids want to know the reason why why things are the way they are. And sometimes you'll tell a, a child, a young child, what to do. I want you to take your shoes out of the living room, and I want you to put them in the closet in your bedroom. And uh, the child will say, why? And then the answer comes, because I'm the mommy, that's why. You know, and if you reach that point where you have to tell your child, just because I said so, or because I'm the mommy, when really you're the daddy, well, there's probably a problem. You've reached the breaking point at that point. You know, you're right on the precipice of losing your, your temper. Um, you, you ever watch uh, or ever read the old comic strip Calvin and Hobbes? One of my favorites, you know, one of my absolute favorites. Because you've got Calvin and his pet stuffed tiger, Hobbes. And they have all of these very complex adult conversations with one another that really you wouldn't think the children would have. But every once in a while, one of the other characters will come in into the scene. And one of my favorites in Calvin and Hobbes is uh, Calvin's dad. And uh, Calvin asks his dad all types of questions. And dad always has the answer, even if he makes it up, which is most of the time. And so one time Calvin... Asked his dad, Dad, why does the sun set? And he said, well, because, uh, because it, it, hot air rises. And in the, in the middle of the day, it's, the sun is very hot, and so it rises in the sky. And then later on in the evening, the sun cools down, and so it, it sets in the uh, western sky. And Calvin buys it, because you always believe everything your dad says. And, and uh, he, he says, well, why does the sun go from east to west and his dad very quickly answered solar wind and you know dad had an answer for everything for everything but that uh, that question why it's a very important question when we ask the question why it means that we're trying to establish a foundation for our beliefs you may not ever think of it that deeply but but really that's what the question why does it gives us a foundation for our beliefs why empowers us. And for six chapters in the book of Romans, Paul has been writing this long letter to a church that he had never visited. Now, he knew some of the people there from previous encounters, but he didn't know everyone there, and he himself had never been to the church at Rome, and so yet he's writing this very long, 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 long letter, the longest of any of the letters that Paul wrote. And he's writing to these people that he had, for large part, never met. And he's telling them how to live their lives. Now, I would suggest that if 
you were going to tell someone that you had never met how to live his or her life that you might at some point want to tell them why. Why you are saying the things that you're saying. And that's where we've gotten to here in the book of Romans. And so up to this point, in, in chapter 6, Paul's big message in, in the first part of chapter 6 is basically this. Don't allow sin to rule over your life. Okay? Instead, make an offering to God. And the offering that you make to God is you. So every day, you are to do this. You are to say to God, God, I'm giving you an offering, and it's this body. This mortal body, this body that's, that gets disease and sickness, and this body that will eventually die. I'm giving it to you today, God. Do with this body, everything about my body, with my eyes where I look, with my mouth, with what I tell people, with everything that I do, my feet everywhere I go, my hands, everything that I touch, let everything that I do today, God, be an offering to you. I give myself to you. Okay, simple enough command. That's the essence of what Paul says in the first part of chapter 6 in Romans. And now, Paul tells us why. So take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 15. And we'll read through verse 23. We're in the series, Romans, Mercy to All. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. When you found the place, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Scripture says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know? That when you present yourselves as someone to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you grant us understanding of your word and that you would change our lives, change our hearts this very moment. 
this very hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to step back for a minute and take you through Paul's transgression of thought, or or not transgression, his progression of thought, because I think it'll help you uh, understand. So what Paul has said to this point in the book of Romans is essentially this, that when God created the first man, Adam, Adam himself, and of course Eve, dwelt in the very presence of God there in the Garden of Eden. And Adam enjoyed the benefits thereof. Benefits being immortality and righteousness. Why? Because he was with God. But when Adam chose to disobey God, he was removed from the presence of God. And now Adam as well of all of all of us his descendants all of us dwell in the realm of unrighteousness we dwell in a realm filled with death not immortality but death we all inherit death from adam even infants and other innocents who never consciously committed a sin against God, even they have inherited death from Adam. Then, in God's plan, in Genesis 12, a man named Abraham came along. You might wonder, well, what's what's so significant about Abraham? Well, a lot of things, but I'll focus on this very one thing. Abraham showed us that the way to be right with God is not by trying to obey all of God's commandments, by trying to obey the Ten Commandments, that will not make you right with God. But Abraham showed us, to become right with God, you have to have faith in God. Abraham showed us the way of faith. Centuries after Abraham died, God gave Moses and all of humanity the Ten Commandments. And you might wonder, well, but why? I mean, why did God give us the Ten Commandments if the Ten Commandments aren't going to make us right with God? Good question. Here's the answer. You have to remember that we, the, the realm in which we live, we live in a realm of sin. We live in a realm of death. The Ten Commandments were given to show us how severe our sin problem really is. The Ten Commandments were given as a holy standard a perfect standard by which we would look at it and it would be a mirror into our own soul and we would say, I don't measure up there, 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 or there. Got a problem. All ten. In my heart, I've broken all ten. We have a problem. However, if we have faith in the Son of God who paid for our sins on the cross and He defeated death, by being resurrected from the grave, then we will receive God's grace. We receive God's grace. We're made right with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not by trying to win God over by our own righteousness. And so God's grace covers all of our sins. And so the law, the Ten Commandments, what it does it actually increases the scope of our sin. We come to a greater understanding 
of how much grace we really need, the more we see ourselves reflected in and our, our inadequacies reflected in the Ten Commandments. And so the law increases the scope of our sin, but God's grace increases all the more to cover all of our failings. The next logical question is this. Well, if our sinning actually results in an, in an increase of God's grace, then shouldn't we just keep on sinning so that God's grace keeps on increasing? I mean, it sort of makes a logical sense if you think about it. And Paul's answer is absolutely not. That's the wrong way to think about it. No, of course not. Because if you keep on sinning, you will harm yourself. Why? Because if you keep on sinning, you won't be able to devote yourself to God every day like you should. And so now that you have faith in God, you have power to choose not to sin. You have a choice now. And every day, you should choose to give yourself to God as an offering so that you don't just accidentally slip into old habits and end up devoting yourself to lawlessness and sin. And you might wonder, well, why? Why should I really be devoted to God every single day? Why should I strive to walk in step with the Spirit, which is a phrase that Paul uses elsewhere, why should I seek to follow Christ every day, to take up my cross daily and follow Him? Why should I do that? What benefit is there? Look at verse 15. Paul writes, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Okay, so make no, make no mistake about this. Jesus paid the penalty for all of your sins. There is absolutely no possibility that you will be condemned. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be condemned. So the question is, well, if, if the penalty for my sin is removed, well, why not just go ahead and sin? Well, the answer is found in a concept that we're not personally familiar with today. The answer is found in a concept that uh, was very familiar to the people in Paul's day, and it was the concept of slavery. Slavery. You know, as Americans, we love our independence. Not just as a collective country, our independence from King George, but personal liberty. We love our personal freedom. We value personal liberty. No one's going to tell me what to do. That's sort of our attitude. You know, and if you get an American who's also a Texan, hey, we're doubling down on that, right? No one's going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. And that attitude of, of personal independence, it is built into the fabric of our country from its very inception. Now, unfortunately, our country was also founded at a time and a place where slavery was a part of that fabric. And so the freedoms and the personal liberties that white people enjoyed, well, that was not shared with most black people. Their experience was, someone is going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to have to do it. 
And so that goes very against the, the grain of what you and I might experience because we've never personally experienced slavery. It hasn't been a part of uh, any legal institution for over, over a century, for longer than that. But history lesson aside, I'm about to make a statement that you may not like, whether you're white or black or whatever. And I'm telling you in advance because it might offend you, and here's what it is. You are and always will be a slave. You are a slave, and you always will be. You will either serve sin, or you will serve God. You have a master. As a believer in Jesus Christ, every day you get to choose who that master is. When you choose to sin, it has greater consequences than you might realize. Look at verse 16. Paul writes, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Did you catch that? If you choose to sin, you're choosing a path of death. Not any one of us here, if we had a right mind about ourselves, and we had a big sign and a fork in the road that said life and death, not any one of us would honestly say, you know what, I need to check out that death thing. No. We wouldn't do that. But the sign doesn't say death. The sign says, do what you want. You only find out about the death later. But God's good to us. He's telling us that do what you want path, that's the way of death. That sin path, that's the way of death. If you're a follower of Christ, however, you have a choice. You can choose every day to obey God. Look at verse 17. We read, but thanks be to God that though you were, past tense, were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Look at verse 17 again carefully. It says, you became obedient. Have you ever become frustrated that you weren't making the progress that you thought you should as a Christian? I mean, that you're just not farther along in your walk with Christ at least not as far along as you think you should be. You sort of feel like you're losing the fight against sin. Man, why do I struggle with this? Man, I get I lose my temper. Why am I losing my temper? I'm losing my temper about losing my temper. You ever get frustrated that you feel like you're losing the fight against sin? Listen, don't. Don't get frustrated. Overcoming sin as a Christian does not happen overnight. It is a process. The question is not, have I failed to make as much progress as I should have made by this point? The answer to that is absolutely. We've all failed to make as much progress as we should have. That's not the question at all. The question is, is there a step forward in my walk with Christ that I can make today? Okay, so quit living in the past. Quit looking way back then and say, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. Today. Can you step forward? Is there a way that you can step forward in your faith with Jesus Christ? That's the real question. You know, and it starts with the decision today to obey God. you got to settle it in your mind today. 
Today, I'm going to obey God. Tomorrow, I don't know. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Yesterday, did I fail? I'm not worried about that either. Today, I'm going to choose to obey God. Because you will obey something or someone. You absolutely will. If you just sort of make up your mind, you know, you go away from this service today, and you get back in your car, and you go home, and you just think, ah, that preacher, you know, whatever, you know. I'm just going to dismiss that. I'm just going to do my own thing, have fun, take care of my family. I'm just going to do my own thing, and, it, and it's not really going to be much of a problem. If you decide just to do your own thing, then you will likely very much follow the wickedness of your heart. Because that is the way your evil heart is bent. Your, your heart will lead you to sin, and your heart will eventually lead you to death. And, the, and you might say, oh, preacher, you're just being melodramatic or whatever. No, listen, I'm not saying you're going to physically die today. I'm not saying that you're going to get out on Frankfurt Avenue and some 18-wheeler is going to just going to mow you over. I'm not saying that. Okay, I'm not saying the physical death is necessarily going to be what you experience anytime soon, but it might be the death of something else. If you decide to just do your own thing and follow the selfishness of your heart, you might kill a relationship. You might see a marriage die. You might kill a career with bad choices. You might kill the happiness and joy that you used to have. When was the last time that you were actually joyful? Happy about life. You remember what the psalmist prayed? And there was a psalm of repentance. He prayed, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? On the other hand, you can choose to obey God today. You can say, you know what? I may have messed up in the past, but that's in the past. I can't go back, but today, no matter where I am with God today, I'm going to choose God. Today, I'm going to choose the path that leads to sanctification and eventually eternal life. What's that word, sanctification? We run across that word in this passage. Sanctification is the process where God helps you become more like Jesus Christ. Sanctifica sanctification happens when you choose God day after day after day. Sanctification will not happen if you choose sin day after day after day. But as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a choice to make every single day. I'm choosing to walk with God today. Because sin leads to more sin. There's a movie that I really enjoy where a, a, a young single woman sees a, a man who's married and she invites him over for a beer. And he points at his ring, his wedding ring, and he says, no, ma'am, I know what beer leads to. And her response is, beer leads to more beer. But he knew. He knew there's something deeper down that road that was going to get him in trouble. Sin leads to more sin. Obedience to God leads to more obedience. And it's 
a much more joyful path to walk. Verse 18. We read, And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You know, if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has set you free from the bondage of sin. You used to only have one choice. You used to be shackled and bound. And you could only go so far, but you could never get away from that sin. But now Christ has broken those chains. And so you're free from sin. You're free to walk away from sin. But you know what a lot of us do? We hang around. We choose freely as Christians. We choose freely to go back to our old habits, to go back to our old sins. I'm not, I, I'm not saying that people that are without Christ can only do bad things. I'm not saying that. Just because they're in bondage to sin, I'm not saying that every single thing they do is completely evil. It's not that at all. What I'm saying is they live in a realm where sin is pervasive and the power of evil is stronger than they are. They don't have the power to escape. That. But once you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are now transferred into a spiritual realm where there's freedom. You can still, if you choose to, dip your toe back into that old realm. You can still play around, although the devil's not playing, but you can play around in that old realm and remember the joy of slavery once again, just like the Israelites who said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back. We want to be slaves again. We can't stand this walking with God stuff. It's too hard. We want to be slaves again. That was easy. But that's not where God has placed you. That's not where you dwell. You don't dwell in the realm of slavery to sin anymore. You dwell in the realm of freedom in Christ. So every day, you need to choose that. It's your choice. What kind of life you're going to experience every day. Verse 19, Paul writes, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, the members of your body, every part of your body, just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Paul says that he's putting these spiritual truths in terms of slavery because that was a concept that was so widespread in his culture that everyone understood it. But Paul is say, also saying that slavery or sin is, is, a, is an illegitimate slave master. Christ has bought you from that slave master. And you are his now. And you can obey him now. Why would any slave experiencing the freedom of a wonderful, loving master like Christ ever want to go back and say, you know what? I really enjoyed the death that was coming in every part of my life. I really want to go back. And I want my marriage harmed. And I want my kids hating me. And I want my job to stink. And I want my attitude to be worse than it was before. Why, do, why would anyone want to choose that way? But we do, because sin is fun, and we get tempted. And so we just sort of drift without thinking about the consequences. 
Verse 20, Paul writes, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What is he saying here? He's saying that before you came to faith in Christ, your master was sin. You didn't have to obey righteousness. In fact, you couldn't obey righteousness. Righteousness was not your master when you were lost. But now, you are a slave to righteousness. You are a slave to God. You don't have to obey sin. You have the power to say no. Sin is no longer master over you. Let me be very clear here. Is sin still present in a believer's life? Absolutely. Is sin still alive within you? Oh, yeah. It is. Does sin still have a type of power inside the believer? The answer to that is yes. If you read the book of Romans carefully and closely, it never says sin is dead. What it says is, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. Sin is still a power that we have to deal with here in this life. And so there's a huge difference between sin being dead and considering ourselves to be dead to sin. Scripture says, consider yourself to be dead to sin. God does not promise that sin will never rule a believer's life. He tells you not to allow sin to rule in your life. Because if you decide as a believer to choose sin, then that will be the net result. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira. They made a bad, bad choice early in the book of Acts, and it resulted in death. Sin is alive within you. Sin does have power. The difference is, that there is a greater power that is within you. It is a power to say no to sin. It is a power to die to that old slave master that used to have you. Sin is no longer master over you. God is. So why are you obeying sin? Verse 21 says, Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? I mean, what benefit? Do you think that you're going to gain an eternity by disobeying God? What benefit is that, to disobey God? I mean, do you think that a counterfeit master like sin is going to reward you in eternity? No. You know what the reward is. The next verse tells us very clearly. In verse 22 and verse 23, look at verse 22. It says, But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. There's no lasting benefit to sin. Sin ultimately results in one thing, death. The fruit of sin is death. The payment that you receive for devoting your life to sin is death. Verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This verse is a very famous verse, especially in evangelism. We quote this verse to lost people, to people who don't yet have faith in Christ, because it seems to show the difference between being a Christian and being a lost person. It seems to be saying to us very clearly that lost people get death. Saved people get life. Very clear. And so we quote it to lost people. But if we understand the context of this verse, Paul's talking to believers. Paul is saying, don't return to your old life. Your old life is the way of death. The fruit of your old life, the wages that you'll be paid for going back to your old life, it ain't pretty. It's death. This verse is an encouragement for you to fight the urge to re-enslave yourself to sin. If you devote yourself to serving God, this will lead to eternal life. Every day you should devote yourself to God. Every day you should say, this body, everything about me, this body's all I got. And I give you all I got, God. I give you everything that I have. Every day, you should consider yourself an indentured servant to the Most High God. And when you do this, God will sanctify you. He'll change you from the inside out. And first, it will look like sanctification. And you'll be able to see it. You'll be able to say, you know what? I think I'm becoming more like Christ. Because God sometimes turns up the heat and the dross in my life, that wickedness in my life, it's sort of bubbling up to the surface. And I don't used to, I, I'm not as angry as I used to be. And I don't get as irritated as I used to be. And I don't say the things I used to say. And I'm more patient at home. And I'm more loving to my kids. And so God is changing me. I can see it. And so when you decide every day to choose God, that process of sanctification cranks up. And ultimately, that will result in life eternal. Ultimately, that will result in a day in which, and we don't know what day it is. could be centuries, could be millennia down the road. I don't know. But there's a day coming in which everyone's going to be resurrected. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as someone who devoted himself or herself to the Lord, to the Lord God every single day, when you're resurrected from the dead and you stand before Jesus Christ and as he says in Revelation chapter 20 there will be some who stand before him who will be judged by the books by the record of all the things they did in their life and their names will not be written in the Lamb's book of life and they will die a second death but the rest of us who've decided to choose God God will say to us, welcome, we'll have life eternal.
without sin, without sickness, without mourning, without heartache, without death, for the very last enemy to die will be death itself. God will take death itself and cast it into the lake of fire. And we will be with our Lord and Savior forever. It starts today. As a believer, you need to prepare yourself for that day of judgment. You need to devote yourself to God today. The reward will be amazing. You don't want to miss it. You might say, well, hey, you know what, preacher? I'm a believer, but I'm just not all that devoted to God. I'm sort of going to do my own thing. i sow my wild oats because I got my free ticket to heaven anyway. You better be careful. You might be fooling yourself. Just because you think you made a decision way back when, or just because you got dunked in a tub, or you walked a Nile, or you got chills up and down your spine, you better be careful. Because none of those things are proof of your salvation. The proof of your salvation is your daily devotion to God. And if you're telling me, I'm not devoted to God every day, but I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're telling me that, you have no assurance of your salvation. Loving God is your assurance. And if you don't love Him, you might want to check yourself. 